0: one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Music at a rational
1: volume. Hey everybody. Thanks for clicking the button for the music at a rational volume podcast. I'll be your host Nate.
0: I'll be your host Kyle. And tonight we are going to go through our, I don't know. We pick a record and uh talk about whether it's really as great as everybody says these quote unquote classics and tonight we take a midwest classic the replacements for minneapolis minnesota and their quote classic record let it be hey <laughs> what are your initial thoughts on this man i kind of came up with this and then go ahead
1: yeah uh we were looking for a record um and I was like, you just pick one. <laughs> so uh, Kyle, because he's a, a big uh, Paul Westerberg stand, like just uh, loves his Minneapolis peeps. Uh, chose the the re- Let It Be record. I don't have this one. I haven't heard it all the way through previously. It's right here. Kyle's got it right there in his hand.
0: You can't see it, but I have it.
1: Here. Uh, I, I stand as witness Kyle has the CD in his hand.
0: I got the t-shirt. I got the book, everything.
1: Which will surprise you probably by the time we get done with this. Uh,
0: but I mean, the cover is great. The cover <laughs> is fantastic.
1: It is good. Uh, and see. just the
0: fact that they called it Let It Be, it was kind of like, that was sort of <laughs> sacred because the Beatles had an album called mm-hmm. Let It Be, and it was kind of one of those unwritten rules. And they're like, oh, screw it. We're going to call it that anyway. And there's a bunch of different, you know, stories about why it got called yeah. that, but that doesn't really matter.
1: I, uh, I was telling somebody at work, um, they were asking what, what I was working on with the podcast. And I was like, well, we're going to do this record. Um, you know, let it be by the replacements. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, that was the Beatles is who you're looking for. And I was like, no, <laughs> apparently they thought they were cool enough to be able to pull off. Let it be. Like,
0: um, um, stay in the
1: shallow end, son. We got this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was released October 2nd, 1984. Uh, two widely critical um, rave reviews. Um, eight, it, really solid A-pluses, five stars. I think the lowest one I saw on here was eight out of ten.
0: Kind of astonishing. Uh, I mean, Robert yeah, I don't, Christow, who's got a pretty weird uh taste in music a plus pitchfork 10 out of 10 i'm like 10 out of 10
1: yeah
0: record collector rolling stone spin all this five stars i'm like really okay we'll check it out
1: yeah i I already Uh, had it so (laughs) let's see it got lots of love uh effusive phrases like let it be re-represented the peak of American indie rock replacements had no use for principles or oblique artiness uh, but so perfectly captured the young uh, band in ragged glory uh, in 1989 a, a magazine rated it number 15 that was the list of 100 best albums of the 80s VH1 got in the act too Uh, Ranked at number 79 in their list of 100. Greatest albums of rock and roll, period. Uh, And uh, among that, I Will Dare as a single has been inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. So in my mind,
0: they they just put Willie Nelson in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well as Dolly (laughs) Parton and...
1: Yeah, I can't really take and them Master seriously.
0: Flash. So yeah, I can't really take that too seriously. The, the issue I got with that, I think most people, like most people, even those who are around in the 80s, have never heard of this record. No. Let's put it number 15. Like there's really only 14 records on the, all the 80s that were better than this?
1: Yeah. Uh, that I think you asked me for my initial thoughts. I think oh. above all... All of this praise heaped on this record I had never heard and didn't really know much about. And I think only because you are a big Paul Westberg guy did I know that The Replacements was a thing. So for me to skip through however old I am, you know, (laughs) minus one of years to get to this point without knowing about it, it cannot be that good. (laughs) It just can't. Because the '80s produced some of the best music it's, of all time ever, and to put this in that category, I think, is right. initially put me on the wrong foot in terms of appreciating it.
0: Well, um, I will dare is never on any '80s playlist ever. It's not mentioned, you know, on anything, and they purposely went out of their way to screw up any videos they had. So there wouldn't be a chance that they would get into a regular rotation on MTV, but that's, that's a whole nother thing. I don't really want to get into all their self-sabotage, but just the record yeah. itself, just on that. And this is going to be the, the 11 track original. There's been reissues of course, like every other album. Yeah. So, but the first track they have on here is I will dare, which people seem to flip out over. Um, yeah, I don't get it. I, I really don't. Cause I, Everybody kept saying about, you know, and I had other replacements records. And so I'm like, oh, this will be cool. I haven't heard this before. And it's not even on their, like, greatest hits, by the way. And I'm like, okay, well, let me listen to it. I'm like, "Um, it's kind of bouncy. And I'm like, I I don't get it. It's okay. Yeah. But great. Mm." (laughs) Does it Uh, deserve to be on
1: the top 500 songs of all time? So- songs uh, not, that shape not rock to and roll? me no
0: no yeah not to me i mean the, they seem to be an influential band and the people that like this really really like it
1: yeah but i don't know how how it shaped it i mean that they started off as a punk band and so there's a lot of that punk element there but they're not a good punk band i'm gonna <laughs> disagree so- on that You think so?
0: Yes. I mean, if you listen to Stink, I think it's a fantastic punk record. Okay. One that came out a couple before this. And even Sorry Ma has some stuff on it. That one runs a little bit long. But Stink is really DIY. I mean, it was seven songs. They have a lot of really bad attitude and cursing on it. And they're fast, but they're good songs, really short. I mean, they hand-stamped most of the the first uh, several thousand records and depend upon what color the stamp was and how it was stamped. You know, they're really collectible. And um, as far as their punk stuff is really good. I think this was kind of in a transition period where they're kind of going from punkier stuff to more yeah. songwriter stuff. To the, I mean, the stuff that Paul Westberg was doing in the 90s is worlds away from what they yeah. did in the early 80s. Uh,
1: some of the stuff I was reading, they talked about when they started out, um, it was, you know, as fast as you can play it, you know, they they totally bought into the aesthetic and the, you know, the the black on black and the, you know, the FU attitude and like they were talking about, they, they would play shows and purposefully do songs that people hated <laughs> and just to piss them off. And I was like, why?
0: Well, that? again, that goes into the whole thing about them. They would do this all the time. I mean, there's people that would say, oh, "I saw all these replacement shows, and I never saw that one good replacement show because people said they're either the worst band you ever saw, or the greatest rock and roll band in the world." Uh, and I'm like, yeah. mm, I think if you play all these really bad shows, you don't get better. No, you know, but them <laughs> doing. Um, country western songs that they've never played before or just they would switch instruments on stage or get in fist fights on stage or whatever come out completely drunk or uh, you know just a lot of really stupid childish shenanigans and you know people paid money to go to your freaking show and if you're opening for Tom Petty and you pull that crap it's like people are going to know who are these guys they suck right I don't it, it to me, and I never saw him because when I was a kid and I heard stuff like this, I'm like, it, it sounds terrible.
1: But it, it does sound terrible. Like I think that is kind of the overriding thing. As this, despite everything else, it is not produced well. It doesn't sound good. Like the the instruments sound terrible. The vocals are bad. Before we get
0: into all that, what were some tracks that you liked? If, if we don't go through everything.
1: Oh yeah, I, we're not gonna to go through all of them. Um, I did like, uh, favorite thing a little bit. Uh, I think my, my favorite one was androgynous. I think it's, that's the one that has kind of stood the test of time. Uh, mostly because of some really good covers, but it, it is above all of these other songs. It has something to say. It has a message
0: androgynous?
1: That, androgynous. Yeah. You know, it, it's, so much better than, you know, a song with the phrase gets his tonsils out. Like, it just feels like this, this song doesn't belong on this record. Like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that was just me in my um, ignorance, but it, it just seemed to stand out in a way that those ones don't.
0: Well, songs like Androgynous and um, Unsatisfied, they kind of, and, you know, 16 Blue, even that kind of points towards what, Paul Westerberg would be writing where he still has songs like Tommy gets his tonsils out, which I like and we're coming out. And then of course the mature songwriting of Gary's got a boner, which I thought was like, that's just so infantile and stupid. And people are like, Oh, you don't get it. No, I get it. I was in eighth yeah. grade once. I didn't think it was funny then. And, uh, you know, as a grown man, you're like, uh, yeah, it's not fantastic
1: yeah that one i mean i like a good immature juvenile song occasionally uh but that one didn't i I missed the joke
0: it's stupid it should have been on a b-side of a (laughs) single that you release in japan or something like that i don't think it's an album cut i don't get it but uh i mean the ones i really tommy gets his tonsils out that's punk rock i love that one a lot i thought that was great the kiss cover black diamond was interesting i Chris Mars sounds terrible on it and I didn't (laughs) like their choices. It was kind of interesting. They changed the lyrics up a little bit though. So that's cool, but you're supposed to not like kiss if you're, if you're a Matt's fan. So they kind of take the piss out of that a little bit. Unsatisfied is supposed to be this genius thing. There's not much lyrics to it. Mm. Um, 16 blue. It's good. It's got some clever stuff, especially for what they were doing at the time. You know, writing in there about um, how they were feeling about different things, and you know if. Um, so some of the lyrics I thought were really brave.
1: Yeah, um, but... sixteen sixteen blue did have that going for it because it, it did kind of nail that teenage angst. You know, the alone in your. Aloneness with yourself, while sure. everyone else is alone in their aloneness by themselves, and you're just kind of all, you know, thinking you're special and you're an outcast. When you know everyone at that age feels like an outcast. It is nice to hear
0: somebody say that, though. And so, yeah. I mean, I I get why people like some of the things on this record. Just as yeah. a whole, I mean, it's it's not even close to my favorite replacements record. Yeah, I mean. Tim, the one they would do after this, their first um, major label one, sounds a lot better. This one mm-hmm. always sounded like a demo to me. Like all the Who's yeah, yes, Do records did. sound yeah. like crap and the vocals get buried or Paul kind of goes away from the microphone and, like, you can't hear him for a minute. The guitars are out of tune. The solos generally suck.
1: Yeah. They're not
0: memorable. And I'm like, I don't get Bob Stinson as a guitar hero.
1: Mm-hmm
0: other people do that's that's cool but i never got it and on this record i there's nothing on it that i thought was that special it's got a couple of songs but i mean pleased to meet me the two records after this i think it's fantastic but they had uh, jim dickinson produced it it's uh their first non-bob record it was just three of them and i think Paul could just kind of write uh, and record stuff that they wanted to. I really think that was their pinnacle record. And even the ones they had after that sounded a lot better. For 1984, and I know it was a small studio, but maybe Peter Jesperson didn't know what he was doing as far as producing. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. But as far as the sound on this is horrible. Just absolutely sucks. Androgynous, I mean that does sound like they played it off a cassette tape that Paul recorded in his basement. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, Joan like jet said, version I, I,
1: is great. Yeah. I think there, there is a case to be made that that song is not as memorable if not for the reimagining by crash test dummies or, you know, you mentioned Joan jet. Like oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That one's really good too. There's some really good versions of that song that make it stand up and make it, uh, kind of fulfill its purpose a little bit like make it go yeah this is, this is actually a good song and you know if not for the self-destructive impulses of its creator no i mean a <laughs> like, line like it, don't it, it, get him wrong
0: don't get him mad he might be a father but he sure ain't no dad i'm like that's brilliant that's fantastic yeah, yeah. but like you said the other versions i heard are better Mm -hmm. i think it's the recording on that that really kills it kills it in a bad way
1: yeah it's all over the place uh, production wise and i I think i put it in one of the comments here uh because you had mentioned a really good song ruined by the lack of production and i was like you you should just title the record that because every song was that way It it had some promise it had some good stuff it had some elements you're like okay like i can get why people you know cite this as a an inspiration or um kind of a a seminal record but then it, it just sat on itself and you're like i don't know what's happening here so to me it felt like a a bad batch of trail mix like i don't know there wasn't enough good stuff to make it worth it for me
0: I, I just, just don't get the ten out of ten. I mean, like Fleetwood uh, Backs rumors or Purple Rain or Led Zeppelin four are you experiencing? I mean this is a ten out of ten. I mean at least not. for the production part you go, well, it's just it does sound really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. And that, that I don't think there's anything punk rock about that. It just sounds terrible. If you listen to the yeah. first fear record, that sounds great. That was made before this. You know, there's other records that were DIY or small label. That sounded a lot better. There's really no excuse for it. And I have no idea why it came out like this. It was like their fourth album. Yeah. So it, it should have sounded better. And I think that that doesn't help. It's just a noisy record. And I yeah. think it's
1: uh, uh, we're kind of flogging a dead horse here, but yeah, well, it's you're, you're not wrong. It, it could have been so much better, it's almost like they didn't want people to like it. <laughs> and, and maybe that's why people are like, oh, it's so amazing, they didn't give a crap. Well Okay, I see your point there, but also no. I want people to give a crap. I well, want to apparently Nirvana good- did that with in
0: utero, you know. They wanted him yeah. to not like him anymore. They got too big, but of course that thing blew up. But that record sounds better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like Nirvana, a heart shape box. The song, I'm like, well, at least it sounds good. Yeah, I can't really say that about this. And, and and I don't know. Don't make records if you don't want people to hear them. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel point. too. I, I don't get the point. Don't put on a show if you don't want people to see if you can play or not. Yeah, you should, you should do things as good as you can. Yeah, every time. But I mean, this show business so mm-hmm. and maybe that's why they didn't get past the 90 i think they get into 92 93 they could have blown up they could have been yeah. you know those ogs but they got passed by by all not these too much other bands that they inspired
1: yeah well as it turns out uh you and i were pretty close on our overall grades uh solid c pluses which yeah. i think might have been if not for androgynous I think that grade would have been much, much lower for me. Um, yeah, it's it's fine, but I'm never going to listen to it again.
0: I will listen to it. Like I said, I own it and I've had it and I have played it before, but it's like, you know, it's like a Peter Chris solo album. I'll put it on every now and again, just, you know, but um it's definitely not my favorite. They've got a lot better records. So if you have not heard the replacements before, I would say definitely do it. But please to Meet Me is a nearly flawless record, in my opinion. Um, other people are going to like this one or not like it. That's cool. But as far as this being a classic, I have to say it is definitely
1: overrated. Yeah. So as we ask the question, is it as good as they say? Uh, I think for Kyle and I, pretty solid. Uh, nope.
0: No, it's not, but it does show promise as to what could yeah. be or where they were going to go. So, uh, yeah, check out their other stuff.
1: You'll 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 be happier. You did,
0: yeah. That one and um, Tim's really good too. So, but if you like their punkier stuff, Stink is one of the best punk records
1: ever made. So there you have it. Cool. We have all spoken. Right. Anything else? Uh, no, that's that's about all I got. So we will. Uh... We'll be back in a week or two with
0: some other worthless crap that you don't need to hear. So, (laughs)
1: Anything else? Uh, uh, No, I think we're good. Okay, we'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. See ya.